How much Coach did you watch? Coach, uh, Coach, I've actually watched a lot of Coach lately. It's on reruns on the channel. Out here. Yeah, it's on a channel out here. I don't know <laughs> this, why. This doesn't mean you have to watch it. Just because it's on, you can flip by it. You don't have to turn the TV on. I assume you have streaming. I know you have streaming. Why are you watching Coach? Because it was on, actually. That's not a reason anymore in this era. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. I probably watched eight minutes of Coach. But you're always telling me that you got rid of cable. So what's this magical access to coach you have well i have uh, the digital antenna this is why people have cable they have more options than coach hey everyone ever and welcome to 20th century popcast the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past my name is tim blevins and i am bob canning and tim mm-hmm <laughs> How are you today? Well, short of relating what I did for the 15 minutes before this started, I'm fine. I, I, I could be better. I could be younger. Actually, I could be better and younger. I think that's what's got me down. I could be better. But other than that, you're doing okay. Sure. Is this over? <laughs> this isn't the episode. This is like an intervention. Who else is on the <laughs> mic with you over there? Is my cousin with you? Is my mom with you? Not today. That was my lame attempt at a mom joke. That was that was, that was terrible. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, not today, as great. if you've had sex with my mom on a different day, but this never is what on I was trying Thursday. No, nope. never Thursdays. Huh? Uh, your mom That's doesn't something. listen, right? Um, no, not this one. No, I don't. But think your so. dad does. I don't think they. I don't think either of them do. I might cut this out again. Figurative. It's in. It's not like real moms. God, it's hot here. That's not because of the conversation, but because we're kind of. <laughs> Oh, these parts always do sound like do you go back and listen to the episodes because these parts like this yeah. part of any episode not any but a lot of episodes sounds like bad radio sounds like the morning DJs I can't believe I was about to talk about the weather I stopped I stopped because in 2018 you get your weather from your phone you don't have to hear a couple of DJs discuss it but I, I just sometimes we start out <laughs> two well. weeks after the fact even I know I think it's really bad pr- predicting <laughs> or very good predicting at that point. No, I guess that's bad. That's like a dull mutant power. You want to talk jokes? I wrote that joke. I wrote a joke of, along those lines about being, what was it? About not being a very good psychic, only being able to see things as they happen or something. I remember thinking, this is the greatest joke ever. It's not. <laughs> but I think writing jokes, because I'm, I'm working I, on a segue here, but what were you going to say? I, I, well, I had a, a psychic joke as well. Uh, actually, a sketch that I'd written that went nowhere because it was a one-note thing where a guy ordered a sign to advertise his abilities um, and everyone thought that he could read their mind and know what his sign was a misprint because he had ordered uh, like a, a sidekick sign. He was trying to be a sidekick. See, the Side premise alone, I, I, I can't follow, but okay. <laughs> and so what was on the yeah. sign? What did the sign say? It's, it said it joke psychic. pending. No, I don't it know. said psychic. Yeah, joke pending. It was psychic. On his sign, or maybe it was the other way around, but it wasn't funny. That much we know. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sidekick. Why would I know that? But you know, it's it's possible. 
But uh, so neither one of us comedians, <laughs> neither <laughs> one of us hilarious. You know who is hilarious? See now this still feels like radio. Bad segues and the weathers. That's I guess what they call it. I like it when people call it terrestrial radio, as if so, because the internet where we're in, we're in the JLA Watchtower listening to this program. But because on terrestrial radio, that's what they do. But we, you know, we're do it yourself in the house with the fans and the computer and you know, fuck a AM and FM. We're doing this, and it's like, well, this isn't that di- that different. This is actually it's, it's no different. Well, it's not no difference. I don't think I don't think anyone would tune into a radio show about this. But an hour of this is great. I guess it would be a good time to plug our Facebook, but we won't. But yes, comedy, not what we're doing, <laughs> but a, a version of it, stand-up comedy. I, you, if you were growing up in the '80s, were you a fan of comedy? Sounds like I just did an edit there, but I didn't. That was the actual segue. <laughs> Uh, yes, growing up, uh, was a big fan of comedy. Was a big fan of the stand-up comedy that uh, I was that I that I had accessible to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about this before. Sorry, I never got into. No, I'm just you know reminding people. I was never able to get into uh, like comedy albums mm-hmm. and you know comedy specials. I didn't have HBO. Um, I didn't have the knowledge or the access or someone to guide me to comedy albums. But when we got cable or when I went to someone's house that had cable and Comedy Central was on or the Ha Channel or whatever it was back then, I would watch Short Attention Span Theater. I'd watch Half Hour Comedy Hour. Um, so, yeah, I loved comedy and stand-up. Does stand-up seem like a really 80s thing to you or does does 90s, like, do, does it merge in your mind? Do they seem separate? Like, because I feel like what we're talking about today is going to be coming up in a minute, so I might as well just say it. We're going to be talking about Seinfeld. Good, good job, Tim. Jerry Seinfeld, comedian. But, um... I don't know. Like uh, maybe we need to talk about the show to get into it. But like the 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 stand up you were watching, if you're watching it on Comedy Central, is probably the '90s by then. Do you look back mm-hmm. fondly on stand up from say the '80s and '90s, and more so, do you still watch it? Um, I do look back on it fondly. I don't watch it that often. Mm-hmm. Um, there's we were just talking, I think, before the show officially so successfully kicked off. Um, about the both of those uh, were very kind. <laughs> about the um, weird television channels I get, I got antenna uh, with my streaming stuff, so I've got an antenna for local stuff and these just weird uh, channels that show old things. And one of them is decades. I don't know if you have decades, which basically sh- shows old CBS shows. And one of them, I can't think of the name right now, but one of them is a is an old stand up show. Oh. And it's got a, a host that is not funny. Byron and Allen show? Is this the Byron I- Allen show? <laughs> no, oh. it's, it's a, the, I, I can't think of the guy's name because it's just not memorable. Richard not Jenny. Famous. He's probably famous. No, I know Richard Jenny. Ray Combs. Um, I'm telling you, it's a name. You wouldn't know the guy. Okay. Uh, Will Schreiner. Came out of like the, the Catskill kind of comedy circuit. But the comedians on it are very 80s, just what they're talking about, how they're dressed, how they present themselves. Um, and they're just not funny. Right? I don't find them funny at so all. So what's 80, when you say um, very 80s, what is 80s comedy to you? What What is that sound? Oh, that feel, I don't know. Like, I automatically, for whatever reason, I think airplane food. That's the bit. <laughs> yeah, that always comes always back something to me. about an airplane. When you think about, yeah, airplane, airplane food, just really observational, but like, on such a um, 
like one level of obs- it doesn't dig any deeper it's just like hey that guy runs funny almost like that's it in a way and i think there are better comedians that make that smarter um jerry seinfeld being one of them um but for the most part i mean there's there's what a crop of 10 to 15 comedians from that era that are worth their weight and then so many other comedians from that time uh, are just on this old show that I'm watching. Well, but I mean, you're also describing that an old show that was probably giving people their first first go. I think there were a lot of great comedians in the '80s. I think great comedians span time. I'm curious because today, what we're doing today, we're doing what's called a binge in podcast, right? Yeah, um, that's the name of it. Where we watch, we take an old show that we grew up with that maybe we haven't watched in a while. We go back, we watch a bunch of episodes in a row, binge them, if you will. And see how it holds up, if it holds up, what we think of it. And today, uh, the show we're doing today is the show Seinfeld, which is a sitcom I'm sure everyone knows, everyone has heard of, a, a show that I watch. And, and I guess what I want to ask you, regardless of Seinfeld as a show or without a show, do you find Jerry Seinfeld to be a funny comedian? Yeah. I've always found him to be a funny comedian. You've always comedian. found him to be. Yes. Really? Yeah, to the best of my recollection, I've always found him funny. Because the show Seinfeld, we see some of his. Like, the show is set up to see some of his stand-up comedy. Did you enjoy, before we get into it too much, did you enjoy... Because you were saying observational comedy. That's I think you said observational, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I so, did. I mean, I, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld seems to be classic observational jokes. You know, like, uh, like uh, I've got a checkbook. Aren't checks weird? And... I've got socks. Aren't socks weird? Like, you know, it's like, here's a thing. Here's a thing. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's what I think people, when they make fun of stand-up comedy now, are almost doing his tone, his delivery. Maybe not his jokes, but like, he, he right. is kind of the, the template, I feel like, for 80s comedy in a way. And I'm wondering, when he was doing it, do you think that was new? Or do you think comedy has always kind of been a little hacky like that. And would you call him hacky, I guess? Um, <clears throat> I don't think I would call him hacky. I know, that's cruel. To, He's to very answer, talented at what he does. I yeah, to answer that question first. Um, I'm not... Here's here's my thing. I'm not a uh, stand-up comedy historian. Um, you don't have to so be a historian, I, but you know what you like and what you don't like. I mean, you, Yeah. You, well, you asked you just, if, you if told it was... Me you you like just, comedy. You, no, no, no. But you asked me if it was always like that. I don't, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. I think there probably were comedians that did that. I think, to my recollection, I'm trying to think of older comedians. They sort of did skits, like one man skits. Um, there were a lot that did that. Like Bob Newhart, I think, did his uh, telephone calls, mm-hmm. which weren't really setups and jokes. They were just kind of a story playing out. Uh, and so, but I think at the same time, there were probably comedians that were doing observational type humor. But like I, like I said, I'm not a historian. I don't know the history of, of comedy uh, mm-hmm. to rattle examples off the top of my head. Okay. Well, do, do you, Tim? Do you have a sense? Do you, do you have uh, an answer to your own question? I do think that 1980s comedy 
was a very particular thing. I mean, and I think, I mean, I think Dennis Miller did it. I think to a degree, and I love him, but Gary Shandling did it. I think a lot of the comedians you saw on TV were kind of hip guys. You know, they're supposed to be hip. They got their suit jackets, like, I don't know, like they're going to work, maybe. I'm not sure. They got the brick wall behind them, spotlight, and they're just saying, hey, have you ever noticed? I'm going to tell you a a slight variation on what I noticed, and I'm going to act it out a little bit. Like, comedians would act out little bits, but not, not as a character, more just like, I'm a sock that can talk, or I'm I'm the menu, and here's what the menu says. And I think, I think the '80s was a big time for that kind of pseudo hip guy, not hipster, because I think hipster comedy is the comedy of 2000, and maybe I'm tiring of that too. But kind of hip guys, like I, I not everyone, but there was just a lot of people who are just kind of like your typical metrosexual guy from the city who's up on stage, who's just, I guess, cool while they're in the spotlight. I don't know, Jerry Seinfeld. I think is the epitome of 80s comedy like for stand-up and I never think of him as a stand-up I think of him as the show I think of him as the star of Seinfeld as the co-creator of Seinfeld I think of him as the show Seinfeld yeah. and 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 I, I, I well is that is that where I mean the show is where I met Jerry Seinfeld you know I mean that's that's my introduction to Jerry Seinfeld do you think that's was that your situation too and maybe that's why we never think of his stand-up first. Well, I mean, I again, like all well, these clip shows, I, I feel like I could have very well have seen clips of his. I could have very well seen him do stand-up. But yeah, I guess the show was sort of my introduction to Seinfeld. Seinfeld, as a show, premiered in uh, 1989. And we're going to be talking about the pilot in a minute. Um, very quickly, when did you start watching Seinfeld? Were you watching it from the first season? Uh, no, I probably picked up on Seinfeld, if not my senior year... Uh, wait, you said it premiered in 89? Well, the pilot premiered the summer of 89, and then the rest of that season aired, I think, the following May, May of 1990. So really, the first real official full season started in the fall of 1990, That and that would have been season two, and that's when I started watching it. I never saw any of the first season when it aired. It was season two. I think I might have picked it up in season three or four, to be honest. Like 11th um, or 12th grade, though. Yeah, because I remember, I recall very well walking home from school uh, with a friend of mine, and he was talking about the show, and I had not heard of it or seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's when I kind of checked it out after that. When your friend was talking about the show, how, how, how were they describing it? Do you remember what it was? Did it seem like another typical sitcom? No, he definitely, I can't tell you exactly the words, but his, his tone was amusement and amusement, and he did talk about how it was different. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I don't know if he was like crazy, like, man, you got to check this out. It's so crazy different than anything you've ever seen. I don't think he was like that, but just like, oh, that's, that's a cool, you know, a new take kind of show. You got to check it out. I, you know, so he definitely had... Um, he was aware of it being different than something else on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't, I, I can't really, I, do, I unfortunately don't have the ability to quote him, but I, I know he had that tone. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, 
I think it was. I think Seinfeld was different, at least like you're saying, for me to what I was watching at the time, it was different from most of that. Yeah. What I think is odd is Seinfeld is kind of, and we're going to get into talking about the episodes. What we're doing today, by the way, on the, on the Mission Podcast, we're going to talk about the first two and last two episodes of the show. The show ran a span of the 90s, so it ended before our cutoff point of, of, of 1999. So we're going to kind of talk about the show from the very beginnings and very ending to see how it's developed. And I think as Seinfeld built popularity, because it wasn't a popular show out of the gate. The first season was barely watched. I think it was on the cancellation block. I think Larry David didn't think they were coming back. But I think as it built an audience, you know, it was shifted around its schedule a little bit. It eventually followed Cheers. And as people began to watch it, I think like critics adored it. Then it got its fans. And the thing that I would always hear, the thing that people always said about Seinfeld and why Seinfeld was so great and so different was it's a show about 20-somethings in New York. No, it's a show about Plutonic Friends. No, it's a show about nothing, is what they would say. Right. That was like the big thing. Like, it's a show about nothing. And and, and honestly, that drives me nuts. Because <laughs> I, sure. I don't think that's true. I think that's just a shorthand. I do think it was strikingly different. And so why don't we talk about it? But like, do you, do you subscribe to that? Do you have this feeling that this is a show about nothing? And that's why people were watching no. it? No, it's it's... It was a sh- yeah no that's ridiculous it's not a show about nothing but you remember it being um, described that way but it's oh of course I mean even the show itself described <clears throat> them that way I mean they got into the whole meta thing where they were pitching their own uh, own series yeah, you know and I, so I, when they did that mm-hmm. uh, they were they were calling it that I mean it was their own take you know it was their own uh, answer to to what the the media was saying I guess. Um, but no, it wasn't about nothing. You couldn't have a show literally about nothing. That would be ridiculous. But that said, it, it is going into this, it is a show that was different. We both feel it was different. You heard it from your friend. I get that feeling. So why, why don't we jump into the pilot and kind of think about the landscape of TV at that time? Because I think the mature adult sitcoms at this time would have been like Cheers, Night Court, maybe some uh, dramedies, which is a word I've heard you say before, like 30-something. This is These are the things that were on the air. And a show like Seinfeld hits, uh, hits uh, whatever night of the week it's on at, like 9.30. And it's set up, it's a show about a stand-up comedian. comedian. I mean, honestly, this first episode, this pilot episode, seems to be about here's how comedians get their ideas, maybe, right? Like That, that seemed to be the the conceit. I I never really noticed... In other episodes, not that I was really paying attention, but this episode, the the stand-up bits referred back to scenes and moments and conversations from the episode. Um, and I don't remember that happening as clearly um, in later episodes. Do you like the stand-up bits? I mean, it starts off with him on stage telling jokes to an audience that's laughing at him. Do you like the comedy bits going back to the show? Uh, do I like that they're there? Or did I find these particular bits enjoyable? Uh, I, I think it's the same question. Well, because I like that those those are there. These bits seemed pretty tired, but I think these were like, you know, from his act. act. It wasn't written just for the show. I feel like these are like pretty popular, well known bits, and I don't know if they're popular and well known because of the the episode. Or because it was stuff he had done before the show. Well, that's the thing. Like you get um, but shows with comedians like Welcome Back, Cotter. 
um, that one about the family whose mother is a lawyer, but I can't think of the title right now, and they're raising kids in New York. It had a spinoff called A Different World. Um, the, the Bob Newhart show where he's a psychiatrist. You get shows, and you've always gotten shows where it's a comedian is put at the center of the show. They have to build a show around this comedian. They may not be an actor, but it's somehow they take stuff, you know, it's something in their material, and they build a show around it. What's weird, I guess, right off the bat with Seinfeld is they're building a show around him being a comedian and he's doing his bits in it. And again, like you're saying, these are his bits. This, this was his material. This is probably what got Seinfeld to where he is. So yeah, maybe they're, I find them tame in retrospect, right? Dated, I think you're tired, you said. Right. But, but this is a show that is acknowledging him as a comedian doing this material and he's playing Jerry Seinfeld. And I think right off the bat, that's important, I think, for this show. Maybe not so much in this episode, but down the line, I think it's very important that this is a show about Jerry Seinfeld, who is a comedian, on stage telling jokes, and people are laughing at the jokes. Because it's weird to see people on TV shows laughing at jokes, I find. I always have trouble with that, but this is someone who that's his job. So right off the bat, that's there, and that probably felt different because it starts off like a comedy special with a horrible theme song, but with reaction shots from people. And he's really doing his act. And I have to say, I don't re- I don't know Jerry Seinfeld as a comedian because I'm like, he's very animate up there. He's likable. Again, it's goofy 80s comedy. I'm not into it. But like, that's not Jerry Seinfeld who I know. Like, I know him from the show, but I don't know him as a stand-up. And he is, he's got good delivery. So that that's there. So they do the stand-up bit. I assume they cut for a commercial. And then the show officially starts in um, a diner with George and Jerry in conversation. And it's a dull conversation about a shirt button. And it's weird because there is a studio audience and the studio audience is laughing. And it's funny, they're enjoyable as friends. I like them off the, 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 the banter they had. They banter well, they talk well. But in terms of it being new, they don't banter like your standard sitcom friends. Their jokes aren't for the audience benefit. They are actually joking with each other. You know, George did a little bit where he pretended to talk into a pen like a microphone, and I think like he was cross-examining Jerry. Jerry makes a couple jokes at George's expense, but also at the the, the the space around them, and they play off of each other. And that banter and that scene that this is when they say the show's about nothing like that felt very real to me. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah the 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 whole first episode and, and the second episode too um, felt felt like what. I, I, because it's so real, and it's not about some heightened situation like the other shows. It's not, you know, some drunk uncle showing up, or you know, uh, somebody's got to solve some moonlighting type mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just people literally talking about their clothes. Yeah, um, it's really small stakes in a as clever. Cl- yes, yeah, small stakes, but clever, enjoyable. Uh, especially the more you get to know the characters, it just becomes more enjoyable. But stick with this you're... episode. I mean, stick with what we're seeing in the pilot. Try to think of this on yeah. TV. I mean, watching it now, it's a three-camera setup. It's mm-hmm. got the pacing of, of, you know, it's got a weird pacing to it. There are moments of yeah. silence. But at the same time, I feel like this must have felt, I feel like this probably felt fast-paced at the time compared to really? other shows. Only because they're t- talking in the middle of talking what this show's about, they comment on something else. Their conversation hits other tangents and then comes right back. You're watching these people interact with their surroundings, their place in life. I mean, these are complex enough 
maybe they're not complex characters, but their relationship, George and Jerry's relationship on this show, is very complex. It's believable. They're lifelong acquaintances. I don't know if they're really friends because I don't know how much they know about each other. But like the punchlines aren't hilarious, but they're funny because that's how I wanted to talk. That's how people talk. That's how yeah. people tried to talk. And and I don't know. When you say it's fast paced, I, I get what you're saying about it um, conversationally being fast paced and interacting and, and just more real feeling. But there's maybe four scenes. Yeah, in they're the lengthy scenes. That's what the, I'm saying, though. They're just long, drawn out scenes where it within the scenes there's an interesting conversation going on but like what do you have you had the diner mm-hmm. you had the laundry mat which i, I loved i love the fact that they're talking at because the, again it's like not at that point in my it's like a stage play well it could be but i mean so is cheers the entire first season of cheers only took place in that bar right but that's a classical feeling in looking sitcom it's that's a brilliantly true. written sitcom with brilliant characters but i get how that is that's a sitcom that's a sitcom of the late 70s, early 80s. It's mm-hmm. just classy looking. Friends, Friends is a sitcom, and I get how that's a sitcom of the 90s. This, Seinfeld, this feeling of the show, this lackadaisical mumbling through, not mumbling, but stumbling through through their day routine, must have been so jarring from what we expect that, yeah, I think... I think you'd be watching it thinking, what, what, what's going on? Where are they going? What is the plot? Like, it takes a while to even grasp, to have something to grasp onto that it's about. But you get there, and it still follows the format. It's got commercial breaks. But I just, I would never have seen anything like this in a TV show before, you know? And I think I, think I would have loved this, you know? Because this is, at the time, how I wanted to talk. You know, I, I've talked before about the show Anything But Love, like a workplace comedy with adults. This was a show about adults that I could embrace in ninth grade. But also, you know, it's, it does have those moments, and this is now me flashing back, but it's like, I know what it's like to be in a laundromat. I know the dullness of a laundromat and having your your friend conversation. I, I, I know the whole thing about how do you greet someone. I get that. I had the fucking experience. The, the big plot of the episode there's this girl visiting him in New York and he's, she's staying at his house and he's not sure if she's going to sleep on a couch or a bed. Like he's not sure if it's romantic or not. And it's like, that's happened to me. It's that happened to me angle of the show. More show than watching Happy Days or one of these situation comedies where you're supposed to relate to it, but it's like, it's manipulated for a lesson. This, this does feel like real things. Well, now I say it feels like real things. I think as a kid watching this, this probably to me was like, this is what life's like. It's a sitcom still, but this is what it's like. And, and, and I feel like it opened my eyes sort of to, to, to maturity. And I don't know. I, I, would you, if you had seen this pilot, do you think you would have come back? Do you think you would have wanted to see the next episode? That, I don't know if I can answer that. Because if I had seen the pilot in 1989, um, at, I guess I'd be about 14, 15. I don't know if it would have connected with me. I don't, really? I can't. I can't quite. I can't quite gel about where I was mentally. You were wherever you were when you saw when Harry met Sally the following year. That's where you were. I mean, you were mature. You're an adult. We get yeah. things. I. I guess. I don't know. Something about it when Harry met Sally. Yeah, it's similar. You know, in a way, just because it's c- cracking jokes and conversation, right? So I guess I would have liked it. Sure. I think it's such an interesting pilot. I don't know if it's a strong pilot because honestly, back then, yeah, I. I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't wouldn't miss a beat of this show. I would have loved to have seen this show. I think now, no, I wouldn't follow this pilot <laughs> up because my life's different from this now. I'm kind of past <laughs> these people, and they would seem kind of whiny. But at the time, something about that show, I'm just guessing must have felt because I get it. Like watching it, I get why this felt like a breath of something. It's like, here's New York. And New York shows up on a lot of sitcoms. But as a kid growing up in Connecticut, I would have been like, yep, this is New York. This is the city. This is the kind of show I think that would have so spoken to me. And again, I wasn't watching it as I entered ninth grade, but this would have fucking spoken to me because I know how to talk. I know how to make jokes. And if the adults are doing this, I must know how to be an adult. So this would have this is a perfect show for someone trying to figure themselves out, I think, which I don't know, I feel like leads us into the second episode. So, so that first episode aired in the summer of 89. It wasn't until the following May, May 31st, 1990, in fact, that they aired the remaining, I think, five episodes of season one. And we watched the second episode of season one. It's an episode called um, The Stakeout. Um, had you seen this episode? Have you seen these episodes before? Not when they first aired, but uh, not when they first aired. But no, I'd seen them in reruns for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I never, I never placed where the stakeout was in the in the realm. I knew it was early. I knew it was early because uh, Seinfeld's dad is played by a different actor. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I knew it was early, but I didn't know that it was. I had no idea it was the second episode. Mm-hmm. So when I watched it and I was reminded of of what this episode was about, I was like, "Wow, that's the second. I thought I thought it was early, but I didn't think it was the second. Well, because it's because it's a good it's a good episode. It's a well formed episode too. I feel like this episode, at least for this and then this next season, knows what the show's about. Like the the, the pilot was interesting, and all pilots, you know, a, a good pilot is a rare thing, and the the pilot's fine. But this episode, yeah. Felt like what I thought of the show and a big reason for that, I think, you know, and a big reason why if I had seen this episode, I mean, this is exactly what I would have wanted to have been watching in ninth grade. And it's because when we didn't have her in the pilot and I didn't really notice it in watching the pilot, but this is the first time you meet Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character of Elaine. Yeah. It's the first time she's introduced and she is so good on this she's the best part of the episode i think so and her relationship with jerry is so rare i think for tv you know i think normally if you have a female and a male lead you can get the whole will they or won't they set up and this show answers it immediately with they won't because they already have (laughs) i mean this show sets up that jerry and elaine did date but now they're friends and this first season actually might have blurred that a little but they're, they're introduced in a video store. That scene in the video store, watching them interact, mocking people, struggling with how to... They're, you know, they're struggling with this idea of how do we flirt with people in front of each other, and that's how you learn they've been dating. That is something, was something, and is still something that I f- fully relate to. You know, and, and, and as the episode yeah. progressed, they actually have a, one of the only meaningful conversations the show has ever had. They have a conversation about how can they still be friends. You know, how can we still be yeah. friends while, while, while flirting? And similar to that show, Anything But Love, that I mentioned before, you know, these kind of shows were giving me a, a way to try to understand and ultimately misunderstand, um, like, human interaction. Like, this, this is a beautiful look at what it meant to be, to socially interact with someone in the 20th century. I mean, I, I think it's a big, big, like, 
what do you call it? Relic of 1990. I, this is why I would say this is not a show mm. about nothing, which was always that stupid tagline. This is a right. show similar maybe to like Mary Tyler Moore, who's the only other thing I can really think about it, but it gives you insight into the moment that it existed. I mean, this is a show about early 90s social culture, you know, more than your dumb Zizek books or whatever late 20th century philosopher that I meant to type in my notes so I could have sounded clever. But I mean, this show presented like a, like what it was to be metropolitan and American in the late 80s and early 90s. And not, again, not in a patriotic way. I just, just in what it, what it was like to try to interact in the era of what this yeah. was. And I just, I, I feel like that's important. Like this is actually an important piece of television for that. Sure. For how long? What do you mean? For how long? Because, well, because um, as we'll get to as we talk about the last two episodes, um, these first two episodes are, are a fine example of this sort of laid back, realistic um, look at, at what you're saying, at the culture of the moment. I don't even know if it's laid back. Um, There's a lot of tension it... there. There's a lot of difficulty there. Maybe it's not tension, but it's like they have a... Well, maybe laid back's not the word I mean, but uh, I, I mean, it's it's got a realism to it. As much as it's a comedy, um, so there are some heightened moments, it's still, it's pretty realistic. Like you're saying, like, that's something you can really relate to. That conversation, I mean, when he finds out that Elaine knows that he was trying to flirt and actually see the the woman he was flirting with in front of her, and when he finds out that she knows before he has a chance to talk to her, he has to think about that. It leads up to that. He's got all this anxiety about that. And do you see that on shows at the time? Like, would you see that on a show? I don't know. Not 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 something like that. That's like that's internal. Right. That's all in your head. You know, that's something that you don't share with people. That you're concerned about how someone's going to perceive your they're actions. They're totally open to um, sharing it. That's the thing. So they yeah, are that's... comfortable enough to tell each other yeah. this is hard. This is weird. How fucking mature and adult. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. I took the wrong Very, lesson from yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's great because that's a lesson about honesty. I didn't quite yeah. get that, but I definitely got the, the the push and pull struggle. And any other show, it would have been they're meant for each other. They're just going through a phase. But the way the show played out, no, they're just friends. And by the end of the series, barely even that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I think mm-hmm. I think as the series progressed, you it moved farther and farther and very far away from these realistic type moments to over-the-top, crazy, zany wackiness. Um, and so I think, while that still was perceived, I mean, the show was still, uh, it was number one uh, throughout its run, I believe. You know, Once it picked up, once it hit number one, it pretty much stayed number one. I certainly continued to enjoy the show. I mean, I, again, I picked it up in season three where maybe it's already gotten to this point. Did you watch it through to the end? Did you watch every season I did. through to the end? I did. I did not. That's weird. Okay. I didn't miss a lot of it. I'm sure I missed some, but I didn't miss a lot. But yeah, I watched it right through. Did you uh, enjoy it all the way through? I, I did. But looking back on these first two episodes, I wish we had gotten more of this show. Because I don't think the rest of the seasons uh, are like these first two shows. And, I mean, maybe if we watch three or four or five more from season one, they might be very similar. But at some point, it turned into 
this wacky, zany, over-the-top kind of show. I stopped watching this show, at least on a regular basis, once I got to college, really. Not on purpose at first, but I lost a little track of it. And that's why I'm wondering when it made this shift. Because I think, yeah, like you're saying, it became a different show. But the show it became also seems to be the show that most people were then watching. Because this was not a big ratings hit. Season one, season two, or even season three. It wasn't huge yet. Right. So I, I, I even wonder, could that have sustained itself? Did people like that? It, it's, it worked for me, and it works great for me. But yeah, let's, let's talk about what the show became, because we jumped ahead after watching these first two episodes. We watched the last two episodes of the last season. Well, we watched the next to last episode, because the last one, or the next, we watched the two, what do we do? I'm fucked up here, because there's a clip <laughs> we, show we that we the, didn't watch. Yeah we, yeah, we watched the last two scripted episodes. Right. But I think this is important. We'll get to this when we get to the finale. I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a clip show in there. And and we'll get to that in a minute. But we watched... So jumping ahead from the original season, we we jumped into an episode called The Puerto Rican Day, right? That's the name of the episode? Yes. It aired May 7th, 1998, which actually was the week before the finale. And this one I remember. I think once I found out this was Seinfeld's last season, I think I started watching it again. I remember watching um, this episode which feels more like what i think a lot of people think a seinfeld episode is what 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 is this episode what about this episode like how would you do, describe this episode um basically the the gang gets stuck in traffic because of the puerto rican day parade and they're basically in one location for much of the episode trying to figure out how to get out of that location they all go on separate little adventures but all end up back together at, at various points, yeah. Now, did they, having just watched, and again, we didn't talk a lot about Kramer, but having watched the first two episodes with Jerry, with Elaine, and with George, what is it like to see them in this episode? How do how do they feel? Like, what do you think of Elaine in this episode versus the character that we absolutely adored from the um, stakeout? I, I find that they're all, and maybe this is a simplification, but that compared to those first two episodes... They're almost like uh, cartoon characters mm-hmm. instead of real real characters. They're cartoons of themselves, uh, perhaps. Um, everything is an extreme. If if you're angry, you are super angry. If you're in love, you're super in love. If you're if you're hungry, you're intensely hungry. <laughs> Everything's just over the top. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a cartoon of itself. It's still it I still like it i enjoyed yeah i didn't think i was going to i enjoyed this episode it's yeah, entertaining it's, it's entertaining and i like what it became and maybe like you said that's all i really knew of it perhaps um i like the wackiness of it mm-hmm. it's just i didn't realize how different it was these are not the same characters that's the thing i mean jerry's a worse actor than he was originally <laughs> He's very worse actor to Kramer's more bizarre. We didn't talk about Kramer really in the yeah. first ones. He wasn't fully formed. This happens on shows. Characters develop, but he's just this over-the-top. He was a character everybody loved, I think. George is far more cantankerous, and Elaine just seems a little cruel. Not joking, but cruel. I still love her part in this. And that's the thing. like Her plot line in this, she's trying to get home to watch... Uh, 60 minutes or something 60 minutes so she's trying to find her way around this parade and she's under these rafters and she finds a group of people who can't find their way out of the parade and she's leading them like it's some sort of action movie and it goes through some tropes yeah. like they're trying to find their way out of under these bleachers and I, I i found that funny 
I liked right. um, the, the George. George has this plot where he goes into a movie theater and this guy with a red pointer. Everyone's laughing that he's got a red pointer, like a laser pointer. Which yeah. seeing that made me think, oh, that's right, they were big in the '90s. Like this show again <laughs> feels very much of its time. Made me remember those are popular, but it's all funny and it's all entertaining and and it's pretty forgettable, but not in a bad way. It's just, I guess what's missing. And again, we were only watching a few episodes. What's missing from this is that I'm not relating to these characters, right? And what's there? This is the show. This is the over the top show um, that Seinfeld wasn't like the other shows, Family Matters, perhaps, with its <laughs> Urkel character. Um, and just the the extreme um, uh, fits of rage that that Winslow would get into. Um, what's his Winslow's his last name? What's his Carl? First name? Isn't it Carl Winslow? Carl Winslow. Yes, Carl. How can I forget Carl? <laughs> Carl Winslow. Yeah. Um, Previously, it on. became that kind of sitcom. You know, I think better. You know, definitely better well, than that, that kind adults, of sitcom. But not in, in that kids, but yeah. But but that kind of sitcom where you just have these wacky, cartoonish predicaments and, and characters. But people loved it. Like this, I've, oh, I've yeah. forgotten that this show is, was quotable. Like there's lines just in this that seem built to be repeated. And there were. There are tons of quotes. You know, the uh, master of my domain, not that there's anything wrong with that. I remember having a mug, a Seinfeld mug from graduation. So already at graduation, I had a little quote with Jerry Seinfeld on it. <laughs> like this was a show that everybody wanted to say the lines for. People were loving it. And I think what they loved was that absurdist, bizarre, over-the-top aspect of it because even the cast always made it a point to say like these are characters that'll never grow they'll never be no hugging i think was their mantra um, yeah no bear poster no hugging is what they would say just no they just had this whole thing where it's like they are just i guess callous characters or, or uncaring characters and it's odd because i get it because that is definitely what they are in this episode and as we'll see in a moment in the finale but that's not how the show started out that's not the show yeah. that Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David, and then the other writers, and I'm sorry, I don't know the names of the first two seasons, put pen to paper to make, and these actors were doing. It is very different, and I wonder, I know I already said this, but I wonder, would this show have been popular? Would this show be remembered for the first two seasons, or is the reason we talk about this show, and is there, if the reason there are essays written about the show, and people love the show, and it can continue on, is it the later seasons that do that? Because those later seasons are not doing what I got from the first ones. I kind of stopped watching this because my life got busy in college. And it's, it got busy. What the fuck does that mean? But like, I, I think I didn't follow this every week. I watched a lot of TV. Why am I saying that? But I, I kind of stopped following Seinfeld. And it was never out of spite. It was just I, I wasn't watching it every week. I'd watch it, but not every week. But I wonder if there was a little bit of loss of that connection. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Um, but you were watching it. What did you like? I mean, you said what you'd like. I, cause like this episode, it has like, it feels a little bit like the parking garage episode that I really loved. And this Chinese restaurant episode that I eventually saw, sure. which were, again, it's like a single day, single real time moment that we can all experience. And then bizarreness comes out of it. Yeah. But like in the parking garage, the bizarreness was kind of like walking around this, you know, it's surreal, a little bit of this hell of where do I find the car? And these get into little adventures encountering the people you encounter. Right. The Chinese restaurant was more about the conversations one has when they're waiting on a table and it keeps going, keeps going. This one, it's ludicrous what happens. Exactly. As, as much as those were um, unique situations for television, 
they were still realistic. I mean, it's what happens to you in real life. You get stuck waiting for a table. You can't find your car. And they didn't take it too far away from that. Um, but yeah, this, like you're saying, it's it's ludicrous. And I think maybe it's because it may, and I don't know, but maybe there was a gradual uh, build to this. Um, it is thing, jarring, right? You already said it's jarring. It's to jarring to, to watch. This. Yeah, to watch the first two and then the last two. Absolutely. Is there any connective tissue? Did you anything that made you think? Yeah, of course. Besides the title of the show, because even the uh, logo is different at this point. Yeah, I mean the only th- and just the four characters. That's the only thing. Just that they but are recognizable. They're not the same characters. They're, they're just point. they're just recognize. I'm recognizing them as the same character. I'm not uh, just visually. Is what I'm saying, not okay. in in how they are acting. Gotcha. Um, but 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 yeah, it's it must have been gradual, and there must have been a turning point. I know Larry David left the show at some point. I, I remember there being discussions about how the show took a new direction after that, and maybe I don't know, was that season three? No, it was uh, later that than that. But I, I, I'm not exactly sure where. But you're, it's true. He did leave the show. It might have been around six or seven. Like it might have just been the last couple okay. years. I don't know. That yeah. I, I should have done research, i.e. just pulled up Wikipedia there, but I didn't. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think over time, and I, th- I would say like any good sitcom would do, um, or any good television show that's serialized, you're going to add characters. You can't just have these four people for six years, just these four people. You add these characters that But there weren't any new characters around. in this episode, were there? Were there any um, recurring episodes in this one? There was, a t- I believe there were two guys... Um, the gay couple, the the Puerto Rican guy and, and his boyfriend with the, the glasses, his Caucasian boyfriend with the glasses, when they turned around, when Kramer was stomping on the flag because it accidentally caught on fire, um, they had been in previous episodes. They oh, were in the okay. Soup Nazi episode, I believe, and other episodes. Uh, they were the ones that like had an armoire, and there was a big fight about the armoire in a okay. previous episode. So it is, it's building So they a were world. returning... And that's the thing. It, it built a world. Mm-hmm. These first couple episodes, it was New York City. It was a real laundromat. In the later seasons, it built this world with with Jerry's parents and 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 George Costanza's parents. I love George Costanza's Kramer. parents. Oh my god! <laughs> I wish they were. And then on this you had, uh, yeah. Uh, and then you know you've got all the guys that Elaine dated. Uh, a lot of them hung around. It's true. And uh, uh, George had his wife. Uh, for or his fiance for a while, um, and then Newman down the hall, uh, the soup Nazi, you know, like it just built these recurring characters, like a Simpsons world um, at this, that point. Like, yeah, it became a Simpsons like, world. It became this cartoon world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, you as you grow with the show, uh, or even if you come on after those first couple seasons where it was more realistic. Um, if if this is what you're if 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 this is what you're being greeted with and you're growing with i think if you grow with it it makes more sense it's easier to go with um you can enjoy it more because you know the characters from maybe when they were less extreme and now you enjoy them because they're more extreme and i do wonder when that happened and it, it is interesting that there is this pivot of larry david like we know larry david we know him from curb your enthusiasm we know that george is based on him but i do wonder how much of a of a key he was, and we'll we'll see it in a minute. Before we move on, I feel like I, we should just mention it. <laughs> I do remember, and you said why already. <laughs> I remember this particular episode being controversial at the time that it aired. Do you remember that they pulled this from syndication till two thousand two? I was told. Oh yeah, 
because of the the flag burning? Well, I guess because Kramer's stopping the burning Puerto Rican flag. Maybe the presentation of I thought the, some of the other characters, but and I guess sure. I wonder is that offensive? Uh, like, the flag being like I would have found it funny with an American situation. flag. <laughs> yeah, mean, I, I, I mean that's yeah that's the thing. I think the situation of it was meant to be a problem that he was doing that mm-hmm. you know like the the people seeing him do that were meant to be offended it, it wasn't a joke it's comical it it's wasn't set up for yeah a joke, like it, it actually yeah that's what i mean yeah. it, it wasn't like um we're gonna stomp on this flag and that's funny no what's funny is how they accidentally set it on fire and he was quickly trying to put it out and it turned out that that's just not seen that way yeah. by the bystanders. But it got protests. Yeah. It got pulled. NBC apologized for it. And I, I, I feel like I get some of that. And I, I don't want to put that down. because people. I, I don't happen to have pride in a flag, but people who do, I, I can see that. But I, I think this, and we'll get into this with the finale too, I, I think this is a testament to the fact that people, I think, forgot that this could be, a, at this point, was bleaker than a lot of your primetime shows. This was a bleaker, darker comedy than a lot of what you were getting on NBC at night. You know, Friends makes risque jokes, but it was never dark. Uh, Veronica's Closet didn't have jokes, so it's not like you'd be offended by it. But this, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> I don't think it was out of line maybe to be offended, because if you're offended, you're offended. I just, I, I, mean, I think some of maybe the characters are stereotypes, you can be offended at that. But I think this is evidence that people forget what this show was. And at this point, it wasn't the show that I wanted, but it was a dark comedy. And it's funny that it's forgotten. I think that it's forgotten how dark it could get. So I just, I I think this is important going into, because we're about to talk about the finale of the show. And I think it's important to go into that to putting this in context, because the show Seinfeld was a huge, was the number one hit it was part of their must-see NBC, so it was in the same promotions with that dumb announcer saying, "Not on Seinfeld, Kramer eats popcorn." You know, like this, the, the dumb promotions. And I don't, and I think people promoting it, I think maybe some of the people watching it, definitely the people on NBC, I think they forgot that at this point of the show, at least, it was dark. It wasn't what they thought. And I mentioned this because yeah. the finale, which we're about to, to talk about. The night of the finale, the night that it aired, prior to the finale, they ran what most shows do. They ran a clip show. They ran like a clip show retrospective. And I remember watching this of Seinfeld and it showed like all the best scenes, all the crazy characters you remember. And it ended by playing Time of Your Life by Green Day over footage of the final curtain call of the show. Kind of slow motion. You see Jerry Seinfeld tearing up. You see the actors hugging each other. It worked how a, how a clip show works, and it works how any long-running yeah. series final retrospective worked. It did all that. It gave you the clips of the things you remember, the characters you love, and it gave you the sentimental goodbye before going into the finale. And I think, at least at the time, because I remember watching this finale, that clip show initially, I would say, worked to the detriment of of the finale. Oh, yeah. And I know we didn't watch it. It, it, it took power away from the finale well that's what i thought at the time but this time remembering that and having that in my head the idea of that clip show which we didn't watch existing but the idea of that being played actually furthered my enjoyment of the finale because i didn't like the finale the first time i saw it but it made me like this finale did you watch the finale when it aired 
I did. I watched the whole thing. We probably watched it together. I don't think so, because um, I was living in Somerville. No? We would have been in California, I think, 98. It aired May 14th, 1998. Yeah, or okay. In, or maybe you were in New York. I would have been... I would have been... I don't know where I would have been. I'd have to get a map. Was- um, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, no, I watched... Whoever I watched it with... Whoever I watched it with... Um, I watched the whole night. Whatever was on before the clip show I watched, probably Friends. Then I watched the clip show. Then I watched the the thing. And the clip show was an hour long. And then the Seinfeld episode finale was an hour long. And I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I think this was the only thing that aired that night. I think Friends had its finale the week before. And then this aired. So, yes, I watched it. I was very disappointed with the finale uh, when I I saw it. Uh, Because there was loads of build-up to it. I mean, there's... Articles and news stories, Entertainment Weekly covers, just loads and loads of buildup. And Larry David came back to write the finale. So my expectations, I guess, were pretty high for the finale. And while it started off pretty well, my memory of it starting off well, I ended up being disappointed with the conceit of the episode at that time. At that time. Well, how does it start off? How does how does this show, this finale, start off? Well, um... I can't remember exactly the very beginning, but essentially it starts off with stand-up. The, uh, something that I guess that's hadn't true. Been that's that's He's true. Doing his stand-up. It at starts the out with stand-up. The Puerto Rican Day episode did not have any stand-up. I, from uh, what I read, it hadn't had stand-up in two years at this wow. point. Uh, but yes, it started with stand-up, and basically at some point early on in the episode, Jerry gets a call from NBC. They've got new people in charge at NBC. They looked at some of the stuff they had uh, the rights to. And they really liked the pilot that they had presented, I don't know, two, three seasons prior. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they ended up getting a deal and they were going to put 13 episodes together. And they get all excited. They're going to celebrate. They get access to the NBC uh, private jet and they're going to go to Paris, the the four of them. (laughs) And uh, that's, yeah, it's just a fun, weird thing they're going to do, I suppose. But before you get too Um, far ahead of yourself, I want to talk about what you're talking about with the finale. This makes sense, by the way. It's the finale of a show. So in the world of the show, their TV show is getting picked up. All right. So it's going to, their life has to change. Why are we watching a finale? And the original conceit is they're going to move to California. George and Jerry are going to move to California. So as a finale, that makes sense. That would have been a fine send off giving them nine years and that's the thing like even before they get that call like the episode starts off kind of rambling it's at a leisurely pace like an old episode with no stakes just this ongoing dialogue and 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 i watching it it was weird i was watching it and i felt like i felt like this is the show acknowledging it was falling into a rut their daily lives which were weekly to us were becoming unfulfilling and boring because it just the beginning is going nowhere it felt like an old show. And it's kind of interesting that, okay, so that's their normal life. And then this bizarre, like, you're moving to California comes up. That makes sense as a finale. But, and it gives a logistical reason to end the show. They're now in California. But as you said, they decide to fly to Paris? Well, they have an argument about where they're going to go, and they all fall on Paris. Yeah. Yes. This is where, when I first watched it, I fell out of liking it. I did not care for it from this point on. It was, yeah, me as well, because it it did, it took them out of New York. It took them away from the sets that we are familiar with. Um, Like, if you had ended it with 
you know, a freeze frame of them jumping up, <laughs> excited to, to be moving to California. Great. Okay, fine. Uh, but yeah, now we're suddenly in Massachusetts. The plane that they were on uh, is going to crash, but then it doesn't. And so they have to take a look at it. So they have to make an emergency stop in Massachusetts. And they end up in Massachusetts. And then the big thing that happens there is that John Panette <laughs> who that gets, gets the carjacked. John Panette. The late John Panette gets carjacked. And these four guys from New York City just kind of watch it happen. And in fact, Kramer video records it on his camera. They joke about his weight. They joke about the crime. They, you know, they they have a conversation about other things while it's happening. And uh, John Panette points them out to the officer who arrests them for uh, breaking the Good Samaritan law, uh-huh. which uh, in this in this episode is a law where you are responsible for trying to help someone out if it's reasonable to do so so they're in a strange land massachusetts yep and they're getting arrested yes and and put on trial which feels a little bit like a slap in the face because <laughs> yeah you're out of new york but it's also kind of like i don't know it watching it this time i'm like this is a ridiculous plot maybe a lot of these plots are ridiculous like something there triggered like why is this happening why does this feel weird because what happens once they go to, to prison or once they get arrested well once they get arrested they go on trial and the uh, prosecuting attorney determines that they've got to show what callous human beings these people are not just in this moment that they're being accused of but their entire lives and so what happens is everyone in the show, not everyone, but just about everybody in the show from New York, you got a montage of them putting their their suitcases together, <laughs> it's a traveling to Massachusetts. Old music. <laughs> um, can I just? I'll interject here. I know we'll get around to it, but I like the finale now. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the finale, yeah. and I enjoyed this montage. <laughs> um, they pack up. It's all these different people. Um, Keith Hernandez, the baseball player who was once dated Elaine. Oh, that's what you like. Um, Do you like the character I couldn't recognize when he showed up? I'm just trying to name off. I like the, seeing the Brian Doyle Murray. Seen. I love seeing Brian. Brian Doyle, Doyle Murray. Murray shows up. No, it's true. Oh, he's not in the montage. He's not in the montage though. Oh, he just he's shows later. up. Okay. Yeah, because you've got the montage of kind of regulars, um, Putty and uh, uh, Newman and uh, Kramer's uh, actor friend, the the uncle. I can't remember his name. Uncle Leo, I think. Just yeah, Uncle Leo. So just the people that you would often see show up. And then when they're on trial, these guys are in the gallery. And then you have surprise witnesses. And these are the guest stars you didn't see in the montage. Terry Hatcher's character, who has the real breasts from a previous episode. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, as you point out, who is the father of the Bubble Boy. An episode that I don't think I've ever seen, actually. You get to see a I've clip of it in this Boy one. They show episode. you a little bit. And that's Correct. the thing. They do kind of what the X-Files did with their finale. Not to ruin that for you. They create a scenario, this court case. Didn't we ruin that two or three episodes ago? Well, we've ruined it a couple times. That's true. But in this, (laughs) they create a scenario that allows us to retread old plot lines through clips and parade out our favorite guest stars. And this is following when it first aired, following an hour-long clip show that showed us probably a lot of these clips and paraded out guest stars. And... I remember at the time of watching this, it felt like an immediate retreat, and I was frustrated. Plus, it just didn't feel like a Seinfeld episode. But you're saying you kind of liked seeing them this time. I liked it this time, and I liked the finale as a whole this time. And I get, I think, I, at least I think I get what what was trying to be done here. Um, and just sort of turn the show in on itself 
and just more than that i think this but yes but i think watching it this time and knowing that larry david wrote it i feel like this finale is the most expensive most like <laughs> extravagant and one of the most watched fuck yous <laughs> to ever be flung you know and to the network and to the fans. Like, I just feel like this whole thing is fuck you for watching the show. I mean, the court case <laughs> makes no sense. They're flying in all these past guest stars to fill the court. It's ludicrous. Uh-huh. The whole thing, like you were saying, it plays like a Mad 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 World send up with all of them getting in line to get there. And the, yeah, the court case is clips. It's characters from the past season saying catchphrases. It's doing the work of the clip show, a clip show that we just watched. Mm-hmm. A clip show celebrating what's great about Seinfeld. A clip show that, again, included Time of Your Life by Green Day over tearful slow-mo footage of the cast. This was Larry David returning to a show that I think he felt had outlived itself. And then taking what I assume were network notes of how to make a finale and making a ridiculous hour of television out of it. And I think it was done in spite and I think that it works so well. Yeah. I think there's so much self-loathing towards the show in this. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact that it follows a clip show, which is the network's way of saying, remember this beautiful show? Having just had an episode the previous week that people were protesting because <laughs> the comedy of the show is we're stomping out a Puerto Rican flag, which again is insulting to people who believe in it, but as a joke is set up as a joke. Forgetting that and thinking like we're all gonna miss the crazy Kramer talking about ju- junior mints and, and the, all these other catchphrases that you've heard. This finale was giving you all that in such a ludicrous way because that's how TV shows are supposed to end. And the fact that this show this this finale was able to demand millions of dollars for its ad advertising because it was promoted as an event. And because if you're the creator of the show, Larry David, you hate <laughs> network events. And that people are tuning into this network event. You know, people like me who had abandoned the show for a couple of years. You know, it's almost like, what? why do they deserve to come back? This yeah. finale is an angry artist pissing on his unwanted following. And I love it. <laughs> it's not the tone of the show that I watched. You know, the original Seinfeld was very relatable to me. I was very much about people interacting with people. And this finale is not a summation of that show. No. It's a summation of one person who co-created it, hating that his show ever got traction. <laughs> and that's self-serving. And that's dismissive of the other people who worked on it. But holy fuck, as a tortured artist, that's an amazing way to make a fucking statement. I mean, I just... Sure. And watching at this time, I'm like, this is not the show. This is not what the show is about. And this is not a good send-off for the show. But wow. And it made me think, what does it matter to me? Because I wasn't following the show at this point. Why do I care how it ends? I was caught up in the hype as everybody else because I was disappointed that an hour of television couldn't sum up what was supposed to be nine years of a show, but what for me was only four years of a show. So I, I was one of the fuckers that he was angry at. 
because I was treating <laughs> this like it had to be something when everything I ever got out of the show, I had already gotten. I got it in the first couple seasons and I wasn't watching this, so why do I care how it ends? But you, Bob, you were watching this. So I think you said a little bit about your feelings about the finale, but this is more, this was more probably important to you because you were, you didn't abandon the show. You didn't leave the show. You stuck with it. Um, Yeah, no, I think for me, like I was just looking for uh, a funny episode. I was looking for just something that, like I didn't need a send off. I didn't need sentimental feeling. I didn't need like a friend's ending. Back then you didn't need it though? No, I don't think when I did. Was, I, with all the hype and everything? Yeah, no, I wanted, because I didn't like it like that. I didn't, and and I don't know that a lot of people did like it sentimentally uh, and that they grew up with it or anything like that. I think because of the way the show is, it's a, it's a mean show. It's mean and funny, but it's mean. So it's not like I was in love. I didn't have any, um, I had no desire to see Jerry and Elaine get together at the end they of the season. They play with that too. They, and they with that totally the play with that. Um, but so, so like those bits at that time, I think I was most disappointed with the show at that time because the comedy of it, uh, was, was watered down because I'd just seen all these clips and was just reminded right. of all these events. And so, so that was watered down for me. And it was like, I just watched an hour of this. Why am I well, watching? The clip show that originally aired. Yeah. 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 Um, so not having that clip show... And being able just to see it unfold the way that I am. I don't know if Larry expected there to be a clip show before it. I think he didn't write with that intent. I think he wrote it as a standalone piece. I think he knows you how know? networks work. I think that's one of the reasons he I, left. I think he knew that they're going to promote no, the I, shit out of this. And they're going to do everything I they always do. They did it for Cheers. They did it for MASH. They're going to do it for his program. I don't. I will never know unless we ask him. And maybe we can try to. But um <laughs> I don't know do you that, think he has Skype? that. I mean, do you think he as he sat Skype? down? We can. We'll send him a, a like a disc. He can insert and, and load the program. Um, but I don't know that it, when he sat down and wrote it, that his intent was well. After the clip show, this will really fuck with him because it's more clips. <laughs> I don't know that he did that. I really think he wanted to just show how terrible these people are. And, and I even kind of have a sense of reading about this at some point. It's like, these are terrible people that you have enjoyed for nine years. Why are you enjoying these people? Here's this reason why you shouldn't. Here's this reason why you shouldn't. He's have. challenging and the then, audience yeah. nature of the show. Yeah. Which is weird. Because one, that's not the show I knew. But it two, is. you're writing for them. <laughs> you made this episode. Like the bigger, <laughs> I guess the bigger artistic statement is doing it. Maybe, or maybe it's selling out. Because, like, he could have just not come back and been like, the show's over to me, whatever. But this, that was not an impression, nor a very good one. But it's just like, <laughs> he was, did choose to come. That was his George Steinman. <laughs> he did choose to come back to write this. And I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's calling out an audience. But what a weird, like, in retrospect, yeah, that's awesome. But, what a, but at yeah. the time, do you think, I think I was feeling a little insulted or, or assaulted by that without even realizing it. Like this episode did yeah. that. This episode felt like an insult to me. This isn't how a TV show is supposed to end. But you were saying you didn't like, why do shows do that? Cheers had a big finale. For, I mean, I know why they do it. Like sitcoms don't just peter out. They do a big finale, but I, that makes sense to me because this is, so we were talking about it in the, the episode about TV revivals like two weeks ago. 
Shows that work up mm-hmm. to a finale do that because you've invested time. And a finale like this, as brilliant as it is, is insulting your audience's investment of time to a degree. Sure. Well, then that makes me like it less now. <laughs> I like it as a piece of art, but well, I don't like it as... Because I wasn't... I guess I had it been invested more in the show. I don't know how it'd be handling now. I was not over the show, but I wasn't watching it at that point. It, was, it seemed odd to me that it wouldn't be on next year. And here's the thing. The show does end on a weird note. I will get back to what I was saying in a minute. They find out that they're guilty and they're sentenced to jail for one year. And I wrote this line down because it doesn't make sense to me. When they're on their way to prison and they're talking, Jerry says, like, you know, it's only for one year. Then we'll be back. That's his line. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I think it's just another Larry David sort of screwing with you sort of thing. Because they won't be. Yeah, the show's not coming back. Let's give them a glimmer of hope, perhaps. Uh, but, Maybe. But, but as he's sitting there typing, it's like, but no, it's, it's done. I'm not doing this again. Neither are they. It's so weird. <laughs> it's Because, again, it's not the tone of the show, I don't think. I, we only watched four episodes, but it's not the tone of the show that I remember. I think it is. I think it's the tone of the show that it became. I think it fits. It became like a pinter play. It's surreal. It doesn't actually exist in our world anymore. It's like how on recent episodes of The Simpsons, they're now acknowledging they're a TV show because Family Guy does that. They didn't used to. They might say a joke that you could interpret that, but they never broke the fourth wall and said, this episode, whatever, or this is how the episode ends. That's a horrible Lisa, by the way, (laughs) but it's the only one I can almost do. But they've started doing that. And that's out of tone, out of the tone of the show that I knew. Yeah. So for this finale to do that, I feel like that's really out of the tone of the show. It's weird. The show is, I guess, meta in a lot of ways, metafiction in some ways, but that is just surreal to a whole new level. Like, I can't imagine what NBC thought when he handed that script in. And that's what I'm trying to think. Do you think they thought, yeah, this is just more of that typical Seinfeld. It's crazy. Kramer fell down. Or do you think they're like, what? Because I... Then they were somehow locked into something. I like I don't know. I can't even say. Maybe that's why he put the uh, "one more year and we'll be back" line in who, there for, to sort of a, a, for the executives, the NBC execs, just to appease them or to make them think that they're open to working on a new know. deal or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. I mean, I just—it's a brilliant. Like, let us film this because we'll come back and make it better after this. It's a brilliant know. hour of television that in no way sums up what we're talking about. <laughs> like it's, it's a horrible <laughs> representation of the show. The worst. Oh, I don't know though. I, I think it's a fine representation for what it became, which was this over the top, unexpected cartoonish world where the characters were mean and abusive. And turns out, so is Larry David. <laughs> and he was mean and abusive to the, to the viewers at home. I have a friend um, I had posted in my uh, uh, Instagram a uh, picture of the finale loading on my Hulu. And a lot of yes, people Yes, I saw that it. fascinating snapshot myself. Yes. But uh, one of my friends, everybody kind of clicked like, um, but one person wrote, I love this show. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to re- reach out to her and see if she currently watches it. Or if she loves this show because it was one of her favorites back then but hasn't gone back. I want to find out. And maybe other listeners at home can tell us what what, uh, 
their interaction with Seinfeld these days is. Right, they could tell us. And who could they tell? They could tell 20th Century Popcast. This show, the show you were just listening to, the show that you can always find uh, online at www.20popcast.com. If you visit there, this episode is currently streaming. If you're listening to this live, otherwise it's somewhere in the show notes. But the newest episode is always up there, as well as links to all of our past episodes. Um, You can also find links to our Facebook page, which always has updates on what's coming up, um, as well as to uh, Twitter. So you can follow me at uh, Subcultist. Instagram, it's the same, at Subcultist. And uh, there's also options to subscribe to the show. I threw that in sloppily. I just thought we were rounding it up. I'm sorry. Rounding it up? Winding. Winding it down. Winding, winding it up? It up rounding rounding, rounding it, it off. off. But uh, yes, you can um, subscribe to us. And I would ask that you do. If you like the show, you want to hear it every week. It helps us if you subscribe to it on however it is. Pod, you catch podcasts. Um, if you do do so through uh, <laughs> Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, there is an option. And we would ask that you do this. If you like the show and you think other people would like the show, you have the option to write a little review. I know it takes time. It's a little click a bunch of stars type a sentence or two or if you don't like it you can do it we have one one star review on there as well um just do that because that it's good to know if people are listening if they're liking it and selfishly that helps us kind of get featured a little bit more and, and and build an audience bob you should add something to this awkward ending finale awkward uh, finale yeah yeah sure um awkward finale yes um here's our fuck you finale moment um oh. For, for listening to us all the way through and yeah, I don't think this crap. they're going all the way through uh, right now. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I would I would say, yeah, on, on Facebook, you can follow us there. If you've mentioned that, I apologize. Um, but you can comment and leave comments there. And on Twitter, you can follow us. Um, I'm at RH Canning. And Tim, did you give your Twitter handle already? I did. Oh. Nobody follows it, so it's fine. But it's at Subcultist. I did say that. Yeah. You know, Seinfeld as a show had many catchphrases. We, we have none. We have none. We, have we none. had one, and then you retired uh, it. We did. Yeah, I saw it on a mug, uh, so I thought that's it. No, but I did hear it on a cartoon. I actually heard it used on a cartoon that people actually watch, so now it would sound like we were ripping off that show. That's why we don't do it. Uh, well, then let's close it out with uh, one of my favorite uh, recurring bits. Kakarl. Mm-hmm. probably footnote that just so people know i'm sure you will show notes 